Hey, welcome to the Missio Day podcast. Check us out on the web at missiodeschicago.com. We're going to start with a reading from God's Word this morning. Um, this morning we're reading out of 2 Kings chapter 4. So, now the wife of one of the sons of the prophets cried to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord. But the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. And Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what have you in the house? And she said, Your servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. Then he said, Go outside, borrow vessels from all your neighbors, empty vessels, and not too few. Then go in and shut the door behind yourself and your sons and pour into all these vessels. And when one is full, set it aside. So she went from him and shut the door behind herself and her sons. And as she poured, they brought the vessels to her. When the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another. Then the oil stopped flowing. She came and told the man of God. And he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts and you and your sons can live on the rest. The word of the Lord. Here we are in our series on greed. Such a greedy word. Brian opened us up last week to talk about the abundance of God and how we're called to be those who see abundance and walk in abundance and not partner with greed or the fear of scarcity, the fear that we're not going to have enough, which seems to chase you down whether you're rich or poor. In poverty, you want to gobble up everything, you want to consume everything as quickly as possible because you may not have it again. And with wealth, when you have a lot, you want to hoard as much as you can because you don't know when you're going to have any more as well. They're very, it seems like they're two sides of the same coin, but the same thing that people struggle from no matter what part of the city you live on. But I think we serve a God who is abundant, who is able always to do exceedingly and abundantly above everything that we could ask or think. How does that work with our mindset that we're supposed to be in this world, that we're supposed to scramble and scrape and get every single dollar? How do we partner with the guy that owns the cattle on a thousand hills? He's created the thousand cattle on all of the hills. How do we partner with him today? And in this passage in 2 Kings 4, we see the story of Elisha and the multiplication of the widow's oil. As we know, widow is being a widow in the scriptures is a death sentence. It is especially without your sons. It's something that when it happens, it is devastating. This is the same kind of situation that Naomi was facing when Ruth said that I will stay with you. Your people will be my people. That because of the debt she owed, because her husband was dead, that she was going to have to, her sons were going to become indentured servants for seven years to pay off all of the debts that she has. And then you enter Elisha in um, this amazing miracle. 
And if anybody doesn't know anything about Elisha, Elisha was a follower of Elijah. Elijah, they had very different personalities. Elijah was, you know, he was kind of afraid kind of dude, you know. He was running from Jezebel and everything that happened was kind of like very astronaut. He was a very dramatic guy, but he saw a lot of these amazing miracles, and he raised up Elisha as his son. Elisha said, I want, Elijah said, ask me for anything. He said, I want the double anointing. I want double what you have. And if you count in scripture, he did almost exactly double the amount of miracles that Elijah did. Just this amazing boldness to ask for something that had never been asked for before. And I think God really loves to respond to that to us when we understand that we are children, dearly beloved, and royalty. Ask for what you want, and he will give you what you want. The desires of your heart. He's actually more interested in abundance than you are. Who created riches? Who created gold and silver and all these things in the world? He did. He is more interested in blessing us than we are in ourselves. But it's the way that we do it that can take us into greed or into abundance. How do we scramble and scrape and collect every single thing and form this anxiety and push people out of the way and try to make our way as best as we can to have everything we can? Oh, I'm so anxious. I need to have things happen in this way. That's a way that we can see that we partner with greed so many times. And then four, the Elisha tells her in verse two, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all except a little oil. That doesn't sound like nothing. Your servant has nothing at all except for a little oil. It's like, I've been to every country in the world except for Bahrain, Egypt. You know, it's like, you haven't been to every country in the world. And this, it just reminds me that God can use whatever you have as long as you don't call it nothing. Your something is not nothing. If you call it nothing, if she would have just rested there, I don't have anything. He's like, all right, I'm going then. God cannot multiply nothing. He can multiply something. And we all have something. And we get down on ourselves sometimes because of the emptiness we feel, whether it's scarcity in relationships or emotions or, um, you know, we don't have finance, we don't have resources. You know how excited God gets over empty vessels? Oh, yeah. A party is about to A miracle is about to happen in that same emptiness that we can feel ashamed for because I don't have everything. I don't have any abundance. I, I just feel empty. I don't have it. Like, I can't be happy to, with people. I can't act like I'm joyful. I can't put on a happy face today. Good. That's where God wants you to be. He wants you to be empty. But don't call your something nothing because at the end of the day, what do you have? An empty vessel. If you have nothing. She said, I don't have anything except for a little bit of oil. Okay, go to all of your neighbors and gather all of the vessels that they have and bring them. And he began to pour from this little jar, and it filled up every single vessel that she could bring. 
And when all the vessels were filled, that's when the oil stopped flowing. So many times we think that God has put us on this earth so that we can collect, so that we can hoard, so that we can be, store up our treasures and build the Tower of Babel to the sky and have all this wealth, but he's actually given us what we have on this earth so that we can pour out to others. He's blessed us so that we can be a blessing to others, so that we can take our little bit and be generous with it and have this abundant mindset that moving water doesn't stink. So many times we think that we're just supposed to be a collecting basin of all these, these good things. I have these words from the Lord. I have these resources that God has given me, and it's just making me feel so good inside. You know, I'm not against self-care, you know. We live in an era where you're supposed to care for yourself. But I think the generosity and the abundant mindset do go together. We know that no matter what we pour out, that God has more and more for us. But don't call your something nothing. Because he can feel every single emptiness that we've had. And Elisha is seeing all these amazing miracles happen and he partners with her. She sells all of the vessels full of the oil to the brim. Abundance. Pays off her debt and then has some left to live off of for the rest of her life. I call that an abundance. Seriously. More, more than enough. I think we just really settle for way too little. God, if you, you know, if you just would give me this. Over and over in scriptures, people are like, Jesus, just give me a little bit of this. Like, I would be good with it. It's like you're talking to the creator of the universe. And all you want is a little Debbie snack cake? That's, that's it? Seriously? All right. I'll see what I can do. <laughs> more and more and more abundance. Emptiness so that he can fill, fill us up, and he does more and more and more than enough. And every once in a while, we see in these pictures and scriptures of people actually connecting with that principle, that it's not about me saving and hoarding. You know how much this oil can, can, can be used, how many poor people this oil can, to, can feed if we sell it, but you're just going to pour it on the feet of Jesus? Come on, why would you do that? Had a, she had a very keen understanding of the abundance of God. That she can pour it out and not be so concerned about being pragmatic and performance-based when it comes to finances. Because if you have vision, then you have provision. If you can see Jesus, you have every single thing you need. There is no place on earth, the darkest corner, the loftiest tower, from which you cannot picture the face of our Savior. You have everything you need. Your cup is always full, whether you know it or not. Just don't call it empty, because he's always pouring and filling into us. My wife and I, what is everybody's dream? It's to go on a tropical vacation, right? go somewhere really nice, and somebody gave us a tropical vacation once, and 
They said, what do you think about going to Hawaii for 10 days without your kids? Lord, what are you saying? <laughs> so we did, and it was amazing. And I think sometimes of, you know, the, the paths, the different paths that we take, whether we're saving for it or trying to do it, and we realize that God sneezes tropical vacations. <laughs> he doesn't even have to move a finger to do that kind of thing. If we partner with him, and decide not to do it our greedy way. How do you know if you're partnering with greed? Give me something practical. Make it simple for me, preacher. This is how you do it, all right? If you feel yourself being anxious, moving around like, I need to run here. I need to do this. I need to do that. It's time to just stop. Stop. Rest. Know that he is God. And not try to make it happen your own way. In this story, Elisha is just content to partner with God and do something very simple. In a, in a place where Elijah is very fearful and running from one thing to the other, Elisha is very, just matter of fact, just go, just go get some vessels and we'll pour it out. It'll be good. And as you see, as we go a little further into this story, we'll see how he partnered with God in this matter of fact way. All you have to be is a willing vessel, a willing vessel, and he will pour into you. Turn to 2 Kings 5, please. Jesus is so serious when he says you can serve God or you can serve mammon. You can't do both. Somehow the evangelical church or the church in general or people in general or believers have found that they can serve both some kind of way. Why does racism and, and persist in the church and in society? We think we can do both. You can't do both. You can't be greedy and generous. You can't trust the Lord and scrape and push people out of the way to get more resources. And I'm as guilty as anyone is. I went to Goodwill yesterday and dropped off a few things. And I probably should have dropped off more. And you see how much we have in society that we don't need. How much that we just collect and bring to ourselves, and it seemingly has no consequences. But it has consequences because it forces us to place down our generosity, to place down our ability to give to others, to just be those that receive and collect. So just like Elisha served Elijah, Elisha had an assistant. His name was Gehazi. And Gehazi got to witness all these amazing miracles just the same way that Elijah, that Elisha witnessed the ones from Elijah. He had a very um, different response to it. 
So I'll start at uh, 2 Kings 5 and 20, then I'll talk a little bit about the context of it. So um, in 5 and 20, it says, Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said to himself, my master was too easy on naming this Aramean by not accepting from him what he brought. As surely as the Lord lives, I will run after him and get something from him. So Gehazi hurried after Naaman. When Naaman saw him running toward him, he got down from his chariot to meet him. Is everything all right? Everything is all right, Gehazi answered. My master sent me to say, two young men from the company of the prophets have just come from the hill country of Ephraim. Please give them a talent of silver and two sets of clothing. By all means, take two talents, said Naaman. He urged Gehazi to accept them and then tied the two talents of silver in two bags with two sets of clothing. He gave them to two of his servants, and they carried them ahead of Gehazi. When Gehazi came to the hill, he took the things from servants and put them away in the house. He sent the men away, and they left. Then he went in and stood before his master Elijah. Where have you been? Gehazi, Elijah asked. Your servant didn't go anywhere, Elijah uh, Gehazi answered, but Elisha said, was not my spirit with you when a man got down from his chariot to meet you? Is this the time to take money or to accept clothes, olive groves, vineyards, flocks, herds, or men servants or maid servants? Naaman's leprosy will cling to you and to your descendants forever. Then Gehazi went from Elisha's presence and he was leprous as white as snow. Naaman was this man who was a commander of the army of the king of Aram, a, a very prestigious man, but he had leprosy, and he hid it under his, his cloak, or he hid it, hid it under his armor because he was afraid that people would know exactly who he was. And a slave girl in his household said, oh, there's an amazing prophet in Israel. You should go there. He'll surely pray for you and heal you. Here is a, a man of stature who has now had an idea to go to a subjugated nation to look for healing. He, he takes this word from a slave girl, which means he had to humble himself, and go to a subjugated nation, which he had to humble himself again, looking for help for his leprosy. He goes into the tent of Elisha eventually, and Elisha doesn't even come out. He sends Gehazi. He tells Gehazi, go tell Naaman to go dip in the Jordan seven times, and he'll be completely healed. Gehazi does that, and Naaman is offended. I thought he was going to come out and wave a wand or, you know, throw some glitter or something on me he didn't do any of that he just told me to go wash and his servant said look listen you come this part far you've humbled yourself this far if he told you to do something grand you would have done it why not do this simple thing which is just go dip in the Jordan this is Elisha being just matter of fact just go take a bath man <laughs> you'll be good he goes and takes a bath and of course he's healed he comes back thankful he brought all these riches to thank Elisha. Elisha's like, I don't want any of that stuff. Just go on your way. Be blessed. He goes off, and this is where we come into the account where Gehazi is running after him and says, oh, I'm lying. You know, he lies and says, well, my master actually sent me to get some stuff. He's like, oh, sure, take as much as you would like. Gehazi takes it and goes back and buries it, kind of like Achan's sin. He goes and takes it and buries it in his tent or takes it for himself. And then goes into the space of a prophet. You know people who are like prophetic or like know things? You can't get away with nothing. He's like, do, 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 do. <laughs> Elisha's like, wasn't, wasn't that my spirit with you? <laughs> I saw everything you did, man. 
I got the holy surveillance cam. Gehazi steals these things, thinks he's getting away with it. He said, because of it, you are now going to be leprous. What I love to think about in this passage is, what did Gehazi give up because he tried, it, tried to get the riches and resources by his own earthly way? What did he give up? A triple anointing? If Elisha got double, I guess it makes sense that he could have asked for triple and got it. Being a great prophet that's actually mentioned beside these titans, in scripture, he gave it up because he wanted to do it his own way. That's what greed tells us we have to do. You got to get it yourself. It's, it's going to be gone. It's not going to be here for long. Elisha had this abundance mindset. But, Ge but Gehazi had stood there with Elijah and saw God do all these miracles. What did he miss? He missed that all good and lovely and wonderful things come from the Lord. And the worst thing we can do is think that it's the things that are actually our Lord. How do you know if something is an idol in your life? It is because you have to check with the thing before you do what God has asked you to do. That's how you know what an idol looks like. Before we can be obedient, it's Gehazi forfeiting his inheritance, forfeiting his birthright, because he saw something that he had to have, and he grabbed after it. What if we became people who were known for our generosity? How much do your friends, your family around you connect with you as being generous? As serving the heart of the Lord in every instance. Many times I find myself just like, all right, waiting, who's going to ask for some money? Okay, all right. And when I see myself as walking like the Father, I'm looking for opportunities to sow into people's lives. Who's going on a missions trip? It's not like, oh, another GoFundMe. Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> that is not of the Lord. <laughs> Instead of having this abundant mindset of being on the lookout, like, he's a good, good father, and he has no plans of letting us down. And greed so racks my community. And I've seen my family be a same part of the anxious struggle. People who don't have anything. Like, sometimes it's hard to imagine what different people are going on in different places of the city, but just imagine for a second that you live in an area where you are traumatized weekly by shootings and by people who are being hurt and don't have enough, and every single day of your life is a struggle. Are we going to eat today? Where are we going to sleep today? I have to gobble everything up because I don't know if I'm going to have more. I have to take some food from the table and take it into my room because I don't know if I'm going to eat tomorrow. This is the reality of so many people that they have. And we, we hold these things in the midst of our lives and say, how do we attack this? We, we can't do anything about it. We are called to pour out and to pour oil on each other's heads and to bring that comfort and to bring that, the healing. How can we possibly expect the blessings 
from another kingdom while we live by the rules of this one. Every heavenly blessing, but we live by the rules of this one. But I love, I love it that, you know, there's plenty of people who are greedy in Scripture. There's plenty of people who seem to have missed it, who seem to have their own agenda. I think we're going to go to heaven and be in God's presence and realize, oh, crap. Christian cuss word. <laughs> I should have been way more generous. We're going to get up in there and be like, oh, what? A platinum HD TV? I should have been way more generous. When we see the, not just the riches and the wealth of heaven, but we see things that are, no eyes have ever beheld before. When we see all the memorials that have been built by people's generosity in heaven, and we say, oh, man, dang. I almost made it. Of course we're saved. Of course Jesus has pulled us from the muck and the mire in our lives. And now, since we have the treasure that goes beyond every treasure, how about we give it away? How about we pour out onto others? Pour out into other empty vessels so that we could see them be a part of the kingdom. Turn to Ephesians 2. In Ephesians 2, this is where you find what you get as a believer. This is your inheritance. This is your treaties. This is your summons. This is your, this is like your trust fund. And we know the church of Ephesus is a letter that held very little correction. Some people call it a perfect church. I don't know. If it had humans, I don't know how perfect it could be. But it was a lot of encouragement, admonition. And it's whenever you're feeling down and you don't understand exactly what you possess as a believer, read this chapter, please. It will shift your mindset, especially around greed and around generosity. And this language may seem superfluous, but it is not hyperbole. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of air, the spirit who is now in work and those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who was rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not for yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, 
so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork, created in Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. The incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. There's nothing that you can hold next to the riches that are found in Jesus that can ever compare. Nothing. It is as if it is this origami treasure chest that continues to open as we discover who Christ is in us and through us. The abundance that flows in the midst of who we are. And then we say like, oh, wow. This is what I get. Incomparable riches of his grace. And I just think about what is it going to be like to live as if we are in God's unbroken presence. Imagine how you walk. Imagine how you talk differently. We get to experience that here on earth. We move and, and push aside greed. We push aside our mad scramble and dash. I guarantee you, if you're ever feeling like that, like, I got to work this job. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to run over here. I got to. If you stop, you will see God show up. You will see him begin to do what he does. For the longest time, I've been driving Uber. I don't want to, you know, put anything against people that does that. But it was killing me because I would do it late at night, and it was just, it felt like a scramble of me trying to scrape and and survive and do whatever I could. And I just felt, I kept feeling like, all right, this is, this is not something I'm supposed to be doing anymore. But I'm like, uh, I need the money. I don't know how it's supposed to work. All right, God, I'm going to trust you. And what I'm going to do is I'm just going to take a step. And if I see you take a step, I'm going to take a step. And if I see you take a step, I'm going to take another step. And he shows up. He shows up. I get commissioned to do some artwork out of nowhere. And if only we would just remember that every single time it happens, where we doubt and he shows up with his abundance. And he shows up and helps you do this thing. But no, we won't learn. No, 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 it's not going to happen. The next time, I don't know, Lord. I don't know if this is going to happen. You're not that generous. I mean, come on. Incomparable riches of his grace. And in the midst of our looking directly into the eyes of Jesus, it confronts every bit of our scarcity. It confronts every bit of the things we've continued to believe are going to happen. Anybody ever seen DuckTales? This is going to age you here. <laughs> DuckTales? All right. Scrooge McDuck, everybody that raised their hand is over 33. <laughs> and he was like just the greediest dude who had all this money and was like was swimming the money, like, like backstroking in gold coins. I don't even know how the physics of that works. But somehow he managed to do that. <laughs> 
but he was still just greedy and trying to keep people from getting to his buddy. And God has way more than Scrooge McDuck and Hugh and Dewey and, Dewey and Louis. So much more. If we understand that our vessels are not empty, they are actually filled with the incomparable riches of grace found in Christ Jesus. And we are always able to do abundance. No matter how empty we feel, they're the difference between facts and truth. I feel so empty. Okay, that's a fact. The truth is you're full. The truth is the abundance of Christ has been made available to you for you to pour out to others at any time. But I don't feel that way. That's okay. Just read Ephesians 2. And see the enfolding riches that come with us in Christ Jesus.